Welcome to Season 2 of EdTech Insiders, where we talk to the most interesting thought leaders, founders, entrepreneurs, educators, and investors driving the future of education technology. I'm your host, Alex Sarlin, an EdTech veteran with over 10 years of experience at top EdTech companies. Shravan Goli has been the Chief Product Officer and Head of Consumer Revenue at Coursera since 2018. Shravan came to Coursera with over 20 years of experience of building products and leading companies. He's built products at Microsoft and Yahoo. He's been the CEO of Dictionary.com, and he was most recently president of tech job marketplace Dice, which is now part of public company DHI Group. Coursera was launched in 2012 by two Stanford computer science professors, Andrew Eng and Daphne Kohler, with a mission to provide universal access to world-class learning. It is now one of the largest online learning platforms in the world, with over 100 million registered learners globally. Coursera partners with over 275 of the world's top universities, such as Yale, University of London, or UPenn, and industry educators like Google, Meta, and IBM, to offer courses, specializations, projects, certificates, and degrees. Over 7,000 businesses, government entities, and campuses have used Coursera's enterprise offering to provide job-relevant online education to their employees, citizens, and students. Shravan Goli, welcome to EdTech Insiders. Alex, great to meet you and nice to be here. Great to meet you as well. Shravan, you have a really interesting background in product management and leadership, mostly in technology with with big tech giants like Microsoft, Yahoo, uh, Dictionary.com, where you were the CEO. Give us an overview of your career. What brought you to Coursera and what do you love about education technology? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a great question. So when I think about sort of the career arc I've taken, it was somewhat deliberate, somewhat like, you know, by luck, I would say. But fundamentally, back when I was at Microsoft, I started as a techie and I really wanted to, you know, I got bored with coding. I just was like, why are people asking me to build this code and write this code? I'm just, I want to understand the why. And that's when I switched over to sort of, hey, I want to go into product management because that's where you can learn more about the customers and their needs, et cetera. And that got me to thinking, I was like, hell, baby, I want to start a company of my own at some point in my life. So I should really understand the 360, the business. So I went and got an MBA. And I really kind of evolved from there into other roles like marketing and sales enablement and then general management. And, you know, here I am kind of doing a hybrid role. But to me, I think when I think about the arc, the other common piece is that I've been really attracted to missions where there's real connection to helping people transform their lives one way or the other. And when I say people, it could be individuals, it could be businesses, right, through that arc. And then I, in particular, when I look at so the last 10, 15 years of my life, starting with dictionary, it's all been in education, and then dice, it's all been on careers. And to mm-hmm. me, Coursera is sort of this perfect combination of helping people develop the careers skills to land into the right careers or, you know, growing their careers. Now, stepping out from a mission standpoint on top of it, and you asked education, education technology field, I'm a big believer in education and learning as a source of human progress. You know, when I think about the world, there's a real need for ensuring education is a fundamental right and not a privilege. I mean, to me, I think I've been lucky enough to you know, grow in a family where there is support for education and I had access to education. 
But when I look at like lots and lots of our learners, over 80% of our learners are not in U.S. There is a real challenge in getting access to high quality, affordable education. And so that's what I think really when I spent time with Coursera, you know, understanding Coursera and the company and the leadership, I realized we have the power to transform lives no matter who we are and where we live. And so to me, I think you've been here before Coursera founders started the company with this mission in mind. And, you know, I'm honestly, I look back over the last four and a half years, I'm just glad that I've had this opportunity to build on their vision to reach this large global innovation. Yeah, it, it makes sense. The combination of education, of career, and of product management, general management, you know, your, your role at Coursera is varied. It has different aspects, and it's a really, really interesting one. I wanted to start by asking you about, about the product side. So, you know, Coursera has a really unusual set of product offerings. It's very wide spanning. You mentioned, you know, business audiences, consumer audiences. There's tens of millions of individuals, but also thousands of companies. There's yeah. Coursera for universities, governments, <laughs> national governments. You know, how do you think about all these different audiences for Coursera? And how do you develop a product that has so many different use cases? It's pretty complex. And I think it's it's fairly hard. But I think the way at least we like to think of it as like the, the most simplistic way to think about it is we're basically a platform. Coursera is a platform that connects this global learning ecosystem. And we often call inside is a three-sided platform that connects learners, educators, and institutions. So as such, when I think about, you know, when I look at across over 100 million learners globally, the vast majority of the learners come to Coursera to advance their careers. You know, we call them, we kind of bucket them into segments on the learner side. We call them as starters who are just looking to land their first digital job or switchers, you know, who are looking to switch into digital in-demand careers or advancers who are looking to continuously upskill their careers. So when I think about that, the most meaningful distinction comes down to someone's career motive, like reskill or upskill or just enhance in these in-demand areas. So I think what happened, you know, when I look at like also from a Coursera standpoint, historically, we attracted the advancers bucket because, you know, those who were just like trying to upskill within mm-hmm. content, data, technology and business. Right. But more recently, I think especially when I look at over the last three years and with pandemic, we've been attracting a large volume of these starters and switchers with the professional certificates that target entry level digital jobs. So, you know, that's on the learner side. And then we got the educators who are looking to teach the world. And so the most simplistic way to think about it is like, okay, all these learners who are looking to reskill, upskill, what is the content that would teach them those skills? And who are the people that can teach those skills? Obviously, best universities in the world, best companies in the world are the ones that have the ability to teach these in-demand skills or the knowledge. And so we work with these educators and within the world of educators, obviously, you kind of look at like all the different types of personalities, like the admins or the UDMs or the professors or the faculty, et cetera. And then we build experience around that. And lastly, we think about this institutions as a third part of our platform who are really looking to transform their talent, right? Whether it's enterprises, government agencies and other universities. So that's kind of the way we at least try to simplify this in a way that (laughs) we can look at like, what is the common thing that draws them all together? But then within this sort of the components of this ecosystem, what are sort of the common capabilities that we have to enable 
for them to participate in this ecosystem. So on the learner side, you have sort of the starter, switcher, and advancer segment. That's all within the groups that are looking for career advancement, which is 80% of the learners. And then on the educator side, you have a wide variety of, you know, universities, which is where Coursera started, companies, various types of organizations that are educating, and now also universities. And then this enterprise audience, it's a, it's a complex ecosystem, but it, it's exciting. And, you know, even besides the different target audiences, Coursera now offers a really wide spectrum of offerings at yeah. very different price points. You know, it started with these MOOCs and they became $50 certificates, then going down to guided projects, which yeah. are, I, I understand, very fast certificates. Tell us about the product mix for Coursera and how you got to this, this really interesting set of different offerings. Yeah, you know, that's a great question. You know, fundamentally, I think this also goes back to the point I was making earlier, like you know, I start with the customers. And in our case, as, as you described, there are lots of different types of customer segments. So it is not an easy task given sort of this varied audience and segments. So one of the big things that we needed to do culturally inside the company is we had to work hard in creating a consistent approach in figuring out what products and experiences make sense for each of these users. So we built with this sort of a culture around a process called product market fit. So we often use a notion which is like nail it and then scale it. So mm-hmm. you know, I think, so fundamentally it starts with the notion of who is the customer? What are their unmet needs? How can Coursera offer a unique value proposition with a great product solution that addresses these needs? So with this process, I think we've started kind of then unpacking what are some of the products and services that we can offer to each of these individuals, right? And so when I think about the learners, to your point, career advancement, career advancement means a lot of it is around hey, not only building the knowledge and the, and the theory, but also being able to apply. And so that's where sort of the hands-on experiences kind of came into play. You know, you mentioned guided projects as an example. Coursera Labs is another big example. When I think about the educators, you know, they started by creating these courses and we evolved into professional certificates, you know, which are bundles of courses, but the courses also have not only the theory, but also these hands-on experiences built into these professional certificates. And when we think of a professional certificate, they're really aligned with a particular job and a role, like Google IT support professional certificate, or IBM data analyst, or so, uh, meta social media marketing, right? So there's sort of this job-aligned relevant certificates, or machine learning, which is sort of, you know, from Stanford and, you know, deep learning from Deep Learning Institute, et cetera. So when you look at like, hey, these are all the skills that are in demand from the learners, and from the institutions, that's the stuff that educators want to create. And then ultimately, full online degrees. So we needed to kind of evolve our product experience in a way that could scale from a single course to hands-on into full degree. And when you get into the full degree, you're really replicating the in-class experience, right? Both synchronous and asynchronous experiences. And then at institutions, I think it also evolved over time. You know, we didn't just say on day one, like, oh, we're going to go after all these enterprises and government agencies and, you know, other universities who might be able to leverage a lot of this content into their curriculum. Kind of stuff evolved over time as we looked at the common Mm -hmm. institutional needs and sort of the market trends. And then we started building products and experiences around them. So you mentioned that the degrees are 
a sort of combination of individual classes, but they involve, you know, real-time learning and some live components. And, you know, some people use the term stackability when it comes to some of these online offerings. I'd love to hear you just talk about how the product line is sort of stackable and how students try to put together sort of catalogs of educational experiences. Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I think, you know, one of sort of the emerging trends in the education space is the notion of stackability, for sure. And what it basically means is you construct modular way of learning that builds into bigger learning, right? Meaning you start with a small course that is, let's say, you are interested in in pursuing a data career. And so you could start with a, a machine learning course or a data analyst course and you kind of see that, oh, this is this is something I love, actually. I would love to do it. I want to make a career out of this rather than just committing out up front. And what it allows is like you can try before you buy or try before you commit for the long duration, right? But the other thing is your learning is not going to the wayside, meaning the certificates and credentials you're earning along the way builds into a bigger credential over time. And so that's why I think it's a very interesting model. So we have a number of programs, like including degree programs, for example, University of London's Bachelor's in Computer Science program. Mm-hmm. It in a offers for credit anyone who has completed a Google IT support professional certificate. And so this is the thing. Like, So you are maybe a career switcher. You may be in retail industry and you're frustrated with a retail job. And you're like, you know, IT careers are exciting. Better lifestyle, more pay. I want to pursue that. But if you're like starting with a bachelor's in computer science, that may be daunting for you to think of, right? And so now you can come to Coursera. You start with this Google IT support professional certificate, knowing very well that if you like this, that learning that you've done, investment, time, and money, and effort, and getting that credential, knowing very well that that's you know valid for a few credits on University of London's bachelor's in computer science program. So that's kind of what's happening. And we see, I don't have the exact number here, but a fairly good percentage of these Google IT support completers end up in applying to these bachelor's in computer science program at the University of London. So that's an exciting way to think about like how you build your own pathway and an education model that kind of starts small but can grow big. A hundred percent. That's really well, well explained. And it's an exciting model. You know, you're mentioning the Grow with Google, the Google IT certificate, which is, in my understanding, one of the most popular online courses in the world, most completed. We actually had um, Elizabeth Madariaga from Edios Media on the podcast a number of months ago, who was uh, one of the, you helped make those courses. And, you know, I think they've really been a game changer for, for professional learning. But I actually want to ask you about another, I will come back to Girl with Google, but another course, which is, uh, you know, every year Coursera publishes a list of the most popular yes. courses. Yes. And Yale's The Science of Wellbeing by Professor Lori Santos has placed on the top of the list for three years in a row. I think it has over three million learners. Tell us about that course and why you think that particular course has gone viral right now. Yeah, it's it's a great question. I think, and I love this course. I was fortunate enough, I think two years ago, three years ago at our Coursera conference, Lori did the fast track version of that course live <laughs> at the conference. So I ended up doing that. It's an, it's, it's an incredible course. And for me, as I think about it, like the, the times in the world that we live, I think everything changed with pandemic. 
And kind of what it meant is we needed to kind of search for balance in our lives in a different way. We all of a sudden, we've all found ourselves stuck in our homes, working remotely, and the social connection, the social context <laughs> kind of got lost all of a sudden. Yeah. And so we all needed, like, I think personally to kind of really look deeper in ourselves. Because like, what is mental well-being and health mean for all of us? And so I think, you know, Lori being like an amazing psychologist and Yale, you know, well known for this, this course really outlines research-backed ways to increase personal happiness, but also establish good habits. And so that's, I think, one of the fundamental reasons I, I feel like, you know, saw huge enrollments for the course during the pandemic, especially, you know, starting March and April 20th. It was the highest course. It just kind of peaked like crazy. And to your point, like as of today, actually, there have been well over 4 million enrollments in oh, the wow. course, highly rated by learners. And I think, you know, when, when you think about soft skills and communication and health, it kind of speaks to a lot of that. I remember seeing the numbers on that course start to take off at the beginning of the pandemic, and then it just went totally viral. It's so interesting. So, you know, outside of, of Grow with Google and the, and the uh, science of well-being, what are some of the other big patterns in course popularity? What subject areas do you see people gravitating towards? You mentioned a couple before, but I'd love to hear your take on that. Yeah. So when I look at across our content and the consumption of the content on the platform, the top three tend to be business, technology, and data science. And I was sort of like, okay, why? Why do we think those are the top three domains? Well, those are relevant for in-demand jobs and in-demand careers and skills, right? If I think about machine learning, AI, data science, cybersecurity, cloud, IoT, mobile, so on and so forth. And so it's not surprising when you look deeper, like what courses, specific courses that have been popular, besides talking about the Google stuff, is machine learning from Stanford science well-being, user experience and design, technical support, learning how to learn. And this is one of my favorite courses. I mean, it's like evergreen, right? I keep pushing it to my kids. Yeah, you know, just like, short <laughs> form, like, of course, learning how to learn. Because that's, when you look at like the world where we live, it is essential everybody embraces lifelong learning. You know, the technology is changing rapidly. Skills are changing rapidly. So fundamentally, how you can adapt and how you want to learn and how you want to change and grow is important. English for career development. This is kind of talking about sort of the, the softer skills and, and sort of development of communication-wise. So this is from UPenn. Programming for everybody. It's one of my most favorite courses too, Dr. Chuck. Getting started with Python, University of Michigan. Asking questions to make data-driven decisions. So these are all the things that I see as the courses. Now, also, I talked about sort of... It, different trend with like over the last few years with career switchers and starters coming to Coursera. As a result, we're seeing a lot of demand for entry-level professional certificates as well. And one of the most interesting things I think I'm, and I'm, I'm happy to see this is increased gender parity in enrollments across the content, across this content, including career-related content, I would say. Because, you know, from our uh, global survey report, we see 37% of STEM course enrollments were women first half of this year versus 31% in 2019. So from a pre-pandemic to like sort of the fast forward two, three years, 43% of the entry-level certificate enrollments were women in the first half of this year versus 25% in 2019. 
So these are significant shifts we're seeing. And, you know, we just, this is the other thing I just came up and read. We just released this in a report working with IFC, Women in Online Learning in Emerging Markets. Fascinating report. I would recommend anyone to go to Coursera and kind of check out our blog to get to this report. It goes into detail how women in underrepresented groups have been disproportionately affected by the pandemic and automation, but technology is creating jobs. And so the real point is, how can we provide enable access to flexible, affordable, and fast-track learning for women in underrepresented groups in these countries to take on and get on with these technology careers? We will provide links to that report and other interesting pieces of the Coursera blog in the show notes for this episode. So you can find them there. I think that sounds really interesting. I have one more question for you from a sort of product perspective, which is that, you know, Coursera has been continually launching, you know, new products, new offerings for, for quite a while. There, the guided projects, you mentioned the integration of Rhyme Labs and Coursera Labs, skills benchmarking, a lot of enterprise products so that businesses can see how their employees are placing. And and even, you know, right at the beginning of the pandemic, there was really interesting, you know, a way for universities to map their existing curricula to the Coursera catalog and offer online learning. These are all really exciting. And I'd love to hear, you, you know, you're welcome to talk about any of them. But the Coursera's sort of core experience has been throughout this time has been relatively fixed. And I'd love to hear you talk about some of these new products, but also how you see the core Coursera experience and if you see any uh, changes on the horizon. Yeah, yeah, fantastic question. You know, as you go, the old, the old mantra, if it ain't broken, don't fix it, right? <laughs> so, you know, when I think about the brilliance of our founders, Daphne and Andrew, kind of thinking about designing the, the learning pedagogy, they've done a tremendous job, right? You know, just kind of breaking it down into small components. You kind of learn, assess, feedback, learn, assess, feedback. And I think that's that's brilliant, like, because that's how people learn, right? That's how you learn. You don't want to spend a lot of time and then wait for this exam at the end. And it's like, did I even get it, right? So sort of the feedback-based learning mechanism, I think, is essential. So now with that said, I think where we kind of, you know, to, to address your question, There are a few things I think about. First is this sort of the idea around career skills and employability, really essentially enabling learners to not only gain the theory and the knowledge of the certificates, but also to be able to showcase their job-ready experiences, hands-on experiences. So clearly you mentioned Coursera Labs, Gather Projects, et cetera, but that's great. But how do we actually extract the value out of that for learners to kind of build a portfolio that they can Mm. take to a potential employer? So that's where, because we're observing the learner as they go through the course learning experience in lots of different ways, which is like how often they're missing the deadlines, how often they are taking the, you know, talking to the other people in the community and how often they're answering the questions, how often, you know, they're not you know, getting the different sort of questions, different type, levels of assessments, et cetera, right? So we can, we not only use that to provide a lot of feedback to the learner, but also help them build a portfolio of both the, you know, the hard skills and the soft skills. The second piece is personalization. I think is a, is a big opportunity. When you think about, you know, your own experience and my own experience, learning is personal. Everybody, you know, there's, there's a core, like, you know, model, but learning is personal. Motivation is personal. 
And so kind of what energizes you, how you construct, how you set up time during the day, what devices you use, when you use, et cetera. It's, it's very personal. And so what we're doing is we're, as we look at and observe the learner behavior on our platform, how can we create more personalization so we can actually match the right product, the right certificate, the right project, et cetera, with the right learner for the right need, right? That's a big, big option. The other way to think about it is life cycle of learning, meaning like, you know, to the point of our stackability, you may start with something small and then you come back and do bigger thing, bigger thing, bigger thing. But when we understand, you know, the pathway you're on, we can actually also kind of keep offering you more things over a period of time. And I think of us like lifelong learning. Once we know mm-hmm. you're getting into a data analyst career, we can actually start giving you more and more data analyst related stuff down the road, right? As new content comes to the So that's a, that's a big area. And associated with that is what I call as active learning. So to your point, we have a lot of active learning concepts in our degree product experience, right? So through Slack and for projects, you know, collaborative projects, through Zoom for life synchronous experiences, through the TAs and faculty helping with coaching sessions and mentor sessions, et cetera. I see a real opportunity to kind of replicate a lot of that active learning into the broader learning itself, right? Not just for courses, but professional certificates, all of these places. And then thinking about like, how do we keep you motivated through the learning journey itself? So we're, we call us like Coursera in-course coach, that kind of looks at where you are and provides you goal goal setting and nudges along the way to kind of help you move through the course. So that's on sort of the learner personalization, et cetera. So the other thing is like, we're actually working with University of Michigan on this XR enhanced content program. Oh, interesting. There's a blog post again we can link to. It is around immersive learning experiences. It's going to come in 2023. There's going to be a number of courses that are going to take advantage of the XR technology. And most recently, to think of, you know, the course has been the monolith, as you, as you said, for the longest period of time. And it, it continues to be the, sort of the construct that we use. But a course has modules. Modules have lessons. Lessons have what we call as items. And the items are like, you know, videos, lecture readings, quizzes, assessments, etc. So what we said is like, especially when, it, when we looked at the enterprise world, the I mean, employees are always busy. So there are times where you want to spend a lot of that rigorous time to kind of get to the deep skilling. But there are times where you just want to know the concept and move on. And so we recently launched what we call as Coursera for Business Clips. Clip mm. essentially is for short form learning. It today offers 10,000 plus bite-sized videos and lessons. Nice. And essentially, you know, this is, Think of it as like a deep index into the courses, but now the concepts are easily accessible. And now we've taken what has turned out to be like a 10 hour course. You can consume in like 20 minute, 10 minute chunks. Really interesting. So just to synopsize, there's so much interesting, so many interesting ideas in what you just said. So Coursera is thinking about portfolios and ways for learners to showcase what they've done on the site in a way that may be relevant to their career, thinking about personalization and adaptivity and how to match the right offering to the right learner at the right time throughout their life cycle, thinking about taking some of the active learning pedagogy that's in the high-touch degrees offering and offering it in other parts of the platform, including certificates, 
thinking about AR and VR, or you know, you mentioned XR extended reality and doing some pilots next year, and some versions of micro learning or short form learning, especially on the B2B side, where you have these very busy professional learners who just want to cut to the chase and get actionable insights may not have time for a full course. That's a lot of innovation. That's a lot of innovation. And it again speaks to the idea of the complexity of our platform. But I think what we try to do is kind of break it down into sort of real needs of the individuals. Yeah, it seems like a theme is, you know, looking at this idea of the career starters, career advancers, career switchers, every product development is trying to sort of map to these learners with what they need most. So let's talk a little bit about the certificates. It's come up a few times, and I think it's really one of the most interesting stories in the last few years from Coursera. Coursera started out, people who know the origin story, by offering courses from universities. It was partnered with Princeton and Stanford. And in recent years, some of the biggest offerings are actually collaborations with companies like Google, Meta, IBM. I think Amazon is on there. A lot of major companies, the Salesforce, to offer professional certificates. Tell us about how these skill-oriented corporate partnership program started and what you sort of see on the platform in terms of these skill certificates alongside the traditional MOOCs from universities? Yeah, you know, this is a great question. I mean, I think it also speaks to how education needs to continue to evolve, even including in your traditional higher ed institutions, right? I think what we continuously hear is there's a lot of demand that is emerging for in-demand sort of the new digital skills, right? One of the Microsoft reports said there's going to be about 150 million new jobs by 2025. And when you look at like, okay, well, what are those jobs and what are those skills that are required for these jobs? Well, it turns out like, you know, they're in software development, they're in cloud, they're in data analysis, they're in cybersecurity, they're in privacy and trust, they're in digital transformation, which is mm-hmm. like, which is basically you take any classic role and now you add data, like, right? So you take marketing and data-driven marketer. So there's a lot of need for these jobs and, and there isn't enough talent or enough supply. You look at the unemployment rates in technology, especially in these emerging fields, it's, I think, you know, if I remember right, it's like under 2%, which is basically considered 100% employed at that point. You can't find people, right? And mm-hmm. so that's the struggle the world is having. But that's on one side. The other side is pandemic, I think, really opened the doors for remote work. Right? I think every company is embracing remote work. And what it meant is you're starting to hire people from all over the world. You're not restricted to just one geolocation. So then the question becomes, well, okay, so there's demand and there's opportunity that has now equated around the world. So where do they go get the right skills? to actually be ready for these jobs and in a way that can fast track them into these careers, into digital careers. So it's not like purely a four-year degree. And so that's where I think this innovation came into play for us. I think as we started talking to all of these technology companies, it is like you're closer to the jobs, you understand the skills, you understand the pain of not having these people in your platforms and you hear those from your own customers that you're trying to serve. And so they've all kind of risen to this occasion to kind of say, hey, no, let's go build content and certifications that can actually help the world by teaching these skills. And so I think it's like, you know, one plus one plus one is like, you know, like 50 kind of thing here, like all of these things converged. And I think as a result, what we kind of really 
understood this trend and started building towards this. So what's exciting is, you know, a few months ago, we announced this launch of Career Academy. Career Academy basically brings all these certificates together and it offers a role-based discovery and training to prepare learners for these in-demand careers. You mentioned Google, but today we have over 24 professional certificates that prepare these learners into about 18 different roles and careers today, entry-level jobs. And our expectation is that we were continuously adding more and more certificates and more and more roles. And these are in those fields, data analytics, cloud, project management, sales operations, marketing, accounting, et cetera. So I'm excited. I mean, I think, you know, especially with a sort of the, a lot of the service industry jobs and lower end jobs are at risk of automation over the course of the next few years. A lot of people are frustrated with their current jobs and this global opportunity and employers need these people. I think we're in sort of the right time, right place to kind of help this learner base. Really interesting. You know, the education investor, Ryan Craig, who writes about MOOCs and about workforce development, published something this week in his newsletter about how he was originally somewhat suspicious of uh, some of these companies that were going into creating content and putting it out to the world and saying, hey, you know, it's not enough for Google or a Microsoft or a, or a Salesforce to just put content out in the world. That won't get people the jobs by in and of itself. And his column this week was, it won't do it in and of itself. It's, you know, necessary, but not sufficient. But now people are starting to find the other pieces of the puzzle, helping students get through this type of online content and actually get the job. So he published a little bit of almost like a, Fantastic. I was wrong about, about this. And <laughs> I think it's been incredible to see some of these companies come up alongside amazing universities. I know. It's also, I think when we think about our platform, we're basically creating an opportunity for university and industry to collaborate. Yes. That's kind of the way I think about this, which is not, it's not about displacement of one versus the other. It's actually complementing each other for what you're good at in both ways. But ultimately, you need to think about that learner, like whether it's a student who is starting their lives and switchers or, or advancers. But the fundamental thing is they all care about employability, right? Yeah. So I know universities care about employability. Industry cares about employability because they need people. And individuals care about employability because that's yes. what they care about, right? Ultimately. Right. So to me, I think I love sort of this innovation that's happening in this ecosystem here, which kind of brings these parties together, in my view, and that to the benefit of the world. Absolutely. And so I want to pivot a little here and ask you to put on your sort of business revenue hat for a couple of questions, because Coursera has been in the news recently, and there's been some all sorts of interesting things happening over the last 18 months. So I'd love to just chat a little bit about them. I think our listeners would find this really interesting as well. So Coursera went public in 2021. And in the last you know 18 or so months, the valuation has gone up and down pretty dramatically, partially in response to a giant lift during the pandemic, and then sort of coming back down post-pandemic. I want to ask, you know, what do you see as Coursera's main societal role going forward? And how is it going to continue to grow and reach new learners and audiences in the future? Yeah, you know, great question. So I think of like, through all of this, our mission is still the same. Our mission has not changed. And the mission is to provide universal access to world-class learning. And so that's what kind of powers us day in, day out to come to work and really focus on that. And so, I mean, obviously, we've had 
in interesting times in the last two, three years, even before we go public through pandemic. For example, in 2020, 30 million new learners joined Coursera. Right. So that's 4x increase for consumer learners and 5x for our business learners and 9x for our government learners. With that said, you know, we're continuing to add, you know, about 5 million learners every quarter, like in the, in the last few quarters that I can recall. So fundamentally, the world is in a different place, pre-pandemic to the post-pandemic. There is need and appetite and adoption of online learning as a platform for people to, you know, advance their careers. So I feel like, you know, I think for us, when I think about, we talked about 85 million, but we've also, McKinsey, I think a couple of years ago published, there's kind of over a billion people are expected to enter the workforce population over the next 10 years. There aren't enough physical institutions in the world that can help serve the needs of that bigger population to develop these skills in the right areas, right? And so platforms like Coursera are essential. And if we focus on our mission, really, which means that really develop deep understanding of their customers, their needs, and kind of where the, the world is headed in terms of the skills and the gaps. And if we can work with the right partners in our ecosystem to provide that right content experiences, I think that's how we're going to continue to grow and scale, right? Another example, I can think how we think about living our mission is also through our social impact programs. Mm -hmm. We work with over 100 nonprofit partners all over the globe, over 135,000 learners, you know, that includes like refugees and veterans and justice impacted, underserved high schoolers that are going through uh, leveraging these social impact programs. We have financial aid and scholarships, and that's continuing to offer ways for people who cannot afford to get access to this high-quality education. So I think that's super inspiring when you think about how many ways we can help live our mission. Yeah, it is an exciting vision. And I think Coursera has become one of a relatively small number of edtech companies that not only is public, but has also really in the public consciousness all over the world. There are not that many ed tech companies that people truly know everywhere. And with that billion new people, with all of the expansion, the continuing changes in technology, I think it could be really well positioned to be the, you know, employment pipeline online space yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. many, many people. That's right. So we're recording this, you know, in August of 2022. And very, very recently, there's been some extra dramatic press for the MOOC and online program management space. To You, which is one of Coursera's close competitors, especially in the degree space, bought edX, which is one of Coursera's main competitor in the massive open online course space for $800 million. And To You just announced a major strategic pivot. They're basically turning the company into edX as the main platform. They announced major layoffs. FutureLearn, a British MOOC platform, is having some monetary problems. And, and you've seen a little bit of you know reduced earnings expectations from Coursera. What is your take on all the current drama and the future of the sort of MOOC OPM landscape? Yeah, you know, it's, it's always hard when you kind of look through sort of the micro lens and, and just kind of think of it as like, hey, short-term, short-term perspective, right? And so... We always think about the long-range opportunity and the long-range vision. So when I think about that and stepping back, it goes back to this idea, right? You know, acceleration of online learning during the pandemic, the 
transformation of higher education has just getting started because I think pandemic at least accelerated that to a certain degree. But I think it is still going to be slow and they're going to take time and they need to continue to evolve. And so we're managing for this long-term opportunity. Now, what does that mean? So broadly, when I think about that, we're seeing a global increase in demand for online education, both from individual and institutional learners, as well as the universities. You you can see more degrees are going online, right, that are evolving to meet these needs. So we're talking about a billion people potentially to need to be educated you've got to go more and more online. And so that's, I think, that's going to be a continuous trend. So this is what I was talking about earlier. Consistently, we've been adding 5 million new registered learners for the past several quarters. And that's right. two times the pre-pandemic average. So that's it's a way to kind of validate, are we just kind of hit a drink hour and Kool-Aid? Or is this like really kind of what's happening in the world? I think it is what's happening in the world. Second is, I do expect to be a variety of models that adapt and evolve to meet this demand. Right. But we do believe in this platform approach, which does provide this global reach and size and scale and a diversified portfolio for offerings. That's what, you know, is kind of how I think of this. This is a system that works together. And so as a result, we can lean into the growth levers, given how diverse is business, whether it's consumer or degrees or enterprise. And so that way it kind of covers the ground, a broad spectrum of opportunities. And so with, you know, just specifically, you know, talking about the near, near-term dynamics, I think there's macroeconomic factors that are not necessarily in our control a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you put that sort of the long-range hat, I'm absolutely confident that, you know, we'll continue to grow and scale. So speaking of the rise of online learning, a recent McKinsey report stated that online learning has become more popular than ever before, especially coming out of the pandemic. And that there are four market forces that are shaping the growing demand for it. One is increased competition with more players. Two is consolidation by a handful of, of big online players, including Coursera. Three is a big influx of edtech investments over the last few years. And four is a rising standards for what quality looks like. Yes. I'd love to hear your thoughts on those market forces. Yeah, this is a fantastic question. I think we would largely agree with the McKinsey findings and... So at Coursera, I think I do think we have some unique attributes and assets to serve learners in a more challenging environment. One, you know, we serve learners no matter what stage of their career, right? So we talked about starters, switchers, and advancers with professional certs, specializations, and bachelor's and master's degrees. So, so we can meet the learners no matter what, you know, step in their learning journey or career journey they are. Second is our content and credentials are created by world-class educator partners, right? Including the top university and industry leaders we talked about. So we believe sort of to the point about quality, you know, the quality, how do you determine quality? How do you trust that? Can I really learn from this platform to bet my career, my you know, job or my promotion on this? Well, you, you can do that when you know there's like, high quality content through branded recognized institutions that are delivering that credential. So I think that's absolutely critical. And that's also what is critical for, I think, employers to, is a signaling mechanism, right? And third is we're continuously and rapidly expanding our catalog of these entry-level professional certificates. This has been a major growth driver in our consumer segment. And I'm really excited that it's not just for consumer segment with the launch of the Career Academy. We've launched it for all our Coursera for Campus institutions so they can take advantage of offering it to their students. 
and kind of create more employability opportunities. And I think this is a great combination of the industry coming and working with like university. And so you'll also continue to see this crossover. We talked about stackability where these industry starts get built into the university education model. And I think that's, I think one of the key emerging trends, I feel like I think where we can bank on and we're very uniquely positioned to do so. Yeah, you mentioned how the Google IT cert can be used for credit at the bachelor's degree of for the University of London. And that is really feels like something very, very new in education that you can get credit for learning from a variety of entities, including corporations and, you know, cutting edge technology companies, and then use it towards degree programs or certificate programs from other high quality providers. Right. It's, it's a pretty exciting world. So we're coming on time, unfortunately, I, I would love to at least a hundred more questions I could ask you, but we always end the podcast with two questions. One is, what is the most exciting trend that you see right now in the ed tech landscape that you think our listeners should keep an eye on? Yeah. So I'll just say very quick, three words, stackability, employability, lifelong learning. Those mm-hmm. are like the three key things that I think I'm excited about. And that's where I think you would want to focus on. Got it. And what is one book or blog, it could be a Twitter feed, newsletter, any resource that you would recommend for somebody who wants to dive deeper into the topics we discussed today? And that's, you know, we'll put the links to all the Coursera reports and blogs, but what else would you recommend? Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Ryan Craig. I think one of the books I'm actually reading also is this concept of, it's actually a little older book, like four years old. Maybe now with this, I should read his block, you know, the newsletter too, but it's the a new you, faster plus cheaper alternatives to college. I think it's kind of, when you think about the rising cost in the degrees and how education needs to be more related to employability, there are sort of lots of these concepts get kind of discussed in this book as well. Yeah, I think that is a fantastic suggestion. There are reports out just today about how the faith in universities has dropped faster than any other institution in the last couple of years. And we're seeing fewer and fewer regular college applicants, fewer and fewer people saying college is worth it. And I think that book, I Knew You, was really prescient about the increasing dubiousness of there only being one way to get a middle-class job. So I love that suggestion. As always, we'll put links to all of these resources in the show notes for this episode. Shravan Goli, Fascinating interview. Thanks so much for being here with us on EdTech Insiders. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to this episode of the EdTech Insiders podcast. If you liked the episode, remember to subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple, please leave a rating and review so others can find the podcast. For more EdTech Insiders content, subscribe to the EdTech Insiders newsletter at edtechinsiders.substack.com. Yeah.